0: Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and I'm so very, very delighted that you've tuned in. Now, I'm going to start this episode before we bring on my special guest with a quick story. Now, this story is one that I've heard Tony Robbins tell from stage many, many times. And although he is a master storyteller, I'm not going to tell it the way he tells it, and I'm going to abbreviate the story, but it's still worth telling. So stay with me here. So Tony tells this story of two brothers and there was a study done on these two boys because they ended up in foster care and this researcher followed them through foster care over the years. And so the story goes that they had a really, really rough upbringing, an abusive father, a mother that was never there for them. They grew up really, really poor. They got into a lot of trouble, eventually leading to the father disappearing, the mother disappearing, and now they're in foster care. And so the researcher followed them through the years into foster care and then into adulthood when they were on their own. And so when they were around 40, the researchers sat down with each of the brothers individually. One of the brothers was in and out of jail ever since foster care. He just couldn't get his life together, didn't really have much money or any possessions to show for, struggled to even hold a job, never got married. He just really had a rough life out of foster care. The other brother actually had an amazing life. He married a wonderful woman. They had two children. They lived in a really nice home in a good neighborhood. He had a solid job. He had money in the bank. Things looked really good for him. And so when the researcher sat down with each of the boys individually, the researcher said, why do you think your life turned out this way? And both brothers gave the same answer. Both brothers said something along the lines of, how couldn't my life turn out like this? Look what I went through. Look what I'd been through in foster care and with my dad and with my mom, and we lived in poverty. Of course, my life would turn out this way. And the brother who had it really hard and was in and out of jail after foster care felt that his life turned out that way because that's all he knew. He didn't even have a chance is what he felt. The other brother thought, I'd never want a life like that. I had to turn things around. I saw what it was like to live that way, and I went in a different direction. But both brothers had the same perspective. Like, how could my life not turn out this way? And every time Tony told this story from stage, it was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Just how you look at things and the decisions you make in terms of the direction you're going to go in your life is so incredibly powerful. And today with my guest, we're going to be talking about looking at your life and perspective in terms of what you're going to do with what you've got. So my guest today is Patrick Bett David. Now, let me give you a little glimpse into his life, and then he is going to actually kind of lay it all out for you in our interview. But here's just the quick notes. His story, his family fled war-torn Iran when he was only 10 years old. They lived in a refugee camp in Germany for two years before immigrating to the US. His parents got a divorce. His mom returned to Iran. His dad worked in a 99-cent store, and he was a welfare kid. He graduated from high school with a 1.8 GPA and to this day, hasn't graduated college. He racked up $50,000 in credit card debt by the time he was 21. And now at the age of 37, he's a multi-millionaire. Pretty impressive, Right. I mean, the guy went through a lot and today he is incredibly successful, not just in terms of what's in his bank account, but when you hear from him, you'll realize he lives a very rich life, a very happy life and inspiring life. Here's why I wanted to bring Patrick on the show today. At one point or another in your entrepreneurial journey, you're going to need a little shot of inspiration. You're going to need an opportunity to get out of your head and really get yourself in motion. And usually that comes with being inspired. And I love to get inspired by other people's stories, what's possible, what's real, different things that they've gone through, struggles they faced, obstacles, and then to see what happened when they came out the other end. And I love those stories and I thought you might love them as well. So I wanted to bring on my guest. He's so funny. He's so fun to interview. He's got great stories. And then at the end, we're going to give you a little piece of content to help you with your social media marketing. So it's not all inspiration. We're actually going to get pretty tactical at the end as well. But I think my favorite part is just hearing his stories and how he shaped the life that he has today based on what he went through when he was young. The kid's a hustler for sure. And so I can't wait for you to hear his stories. So let's go ahead and dive in. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Patrick, thank you so very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's great to be on with you.
0: Yeah, well, I just absolutely love your story. And although we're gonna make this a mini training and get into all the details, to teach something really valuable. Before we get there, I'd love to introduce you to my audience. And so will you talk a little bit about your story, you know, where you got started and how you got to where you are today?
1: Absolutely. Most definitely. So I was born and raised in Iran in 1978. I'm a revolution baby. I was literally born three months before the revolution happened in Iran, in the city of Tehran, you know, the capital. And 10 years later, I've lived there six weeks after Khomeini passed away June 3rd 89 we escaped Iran wow and went to Germany I lived at a refugee camp there for about a year and a half and then from Germany we came to the states I lived in Glendale California went to school in Glendale California I had the most incredible GPA of 1.8 <laughs> I was the typical bad boy troublemaker kid and so right afterwards instead of going to college you know I went straight to the military I was in the army for a few years got out wanted to be the next Middle Eastern Arnold Schwarzenegger. I I, I was going to marry a Kennedy. I was going to be Mr. Olympia. I was going to be in the movies and I was going to be a very wealthy entrepreneur. That was the plan.
0: (laughs) I like it. Well, you've got the voice for it for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So obviously things changed after coming out of the military. I met a girl who was working on Morgan Stanley Dean Witter And we would always go back and forth. You know, she would always pick me up in these nice cars. I was amazed at the type of cars she had. So I said, what do you do? And she told me she worked at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. I didn't have a college degree. I wanted to get started with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. Real quick, funny story on how I got my job there, which is very interesting. My resume, Amy, said the following. My resume said Burger King, Bob's Big Boy, Hagenda's, The Army, Bally's and no four-year or two-year degree. And Morgan Stanley's minimum is a four-year degree.
0: Okay. Wait a second. How did that get you a job?
1: Oh, you got it. You got it. This (laughs) is fun. This is good stuff here. So I I decided, I said, I know the resume is not going to get me the job. So I said, I got to get a little creative. So I made a cover letter and I took my favorite joke that I had and I sent the joke in. And at the bottom of the joke of the cover letter, I said, listen, if you're currently laughing after reading this joke, I said, that's exactly how my clients are going to feel when they do business with me. They're going to fall in love with me. So if you want somebody to like me, part of your team, hire me. So I send it to 100 different places. Back then, we used to fax resumes. If you remember, we don't. Oh, fax
0: yeah, I remember things. the days.
1: So I got 30 callbacks. Half of them were simply because they loved the joke. They were not interested in me as the product. And the other half offered me interview, Smith Barney, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Schwab. Wow. And it came down to three of them. I took the Morgan Stanley job and my career got started. So from there, I went to Transamerica. And then in October of 2009, I decided to start my own insurance agency with 66 agents based out of Northridge, California. And now six and a half years later, nearly seven years later, we went from 66 agents to 2,200 agents from 41 states. And- we sell more insurance with AIG and Foresters than any other company in North America. And it's, it's grown pretty rapidly. So it's an exciting time for us from where I was to where I'm at now.
0: Wow, that's an incredible story. And I love when people get jobs in really unconventional ways. And so I'm so glad you shared that as well. So really, you have a full-time gig. I mean, you've started this insurance business. Mm-hmm. It's doing incredibly well. But you also kind of have a, a side hustle. That's not all you do, right?
1: I don't, no. So so, what I do is I run the insurance company full, full-time. I mean, I, I have a full-time life. I have three kids under the age of five. Oh, no. uh, yes, I have one that's three months old. I have a two-year-old and I have a four-year-old. So you can only imagine my life as a startup, my company's a startup, <laughs> the, the social media's presence and the content we're creating with the half a million entrepreneurs that follow us, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or email or Twitter or all that is another whole schedule to put a commitment that I have to make to it. But Yes, I do this completely on the side. And one of the reasons why I do this is because the subject of entrepreneurship to me is extremely fascinating. When I was 10 years old, Amy, I was living in Germany. There was a girl at the refugee camp who was Czechoslovakian, okay? Her name was Katarina. And her brother, Jan, became my best friend. And everybody in this community, we're all broke. No one has money. And they're either from Russia, they're either from Albania, Poland, all these other places. And everyone's trying to get to the promised land. Which is America. And everybody wanted to play the new Super Nintendo game that was coming out with Super Mario Brothers 2. I'm ten yeah. years old. I don't have any money. I'm, you know, I don't my family, my parents got a divorce. So my dad's in the US. My mom were there. I have a sister of mine, older sister of mine. And so I went to the local swimming pool. There was this massive, Amy, massive place with four swimming pools and diving board. It was just an amazing place. And in Germany, If you were to take German's blood, I bet half of it's going to be beer. I mean, these guys (laughs) are beer, right? So I I went there and I said, look, I I told the owner, I said, how can I make, I need to make some money because I need to buy the Super Nintendo's 249 marks. And he says, well, I can't hire somebody your age, only 10 years. I said, how can I help you? So we agreed. I said, look, there's beer bottles everywhere. How much will you give me if I bring every one of these beer bottles back to you? Instead of you having to have all these people clean this place up, I'll do it for you. He said, I'll give you five penny, which is five pennies her beer bottle. I said, perfect. I need 5,000 bottles. So it took me 30 days <laughs> to get the 5,000 beer bottles. And then I went and bought the Super Mario Brothers. And at this refugee camp, I was a rock star because everybody wanted to play the Super Nintendo. And from there, I realized entrepreneurship is the way to go. So I was fascinated by that. And now, you know, the world's become a very small place where we are more connected together than we were 15 years ago. And I have this obsession with study and entrepreneurship where I'm I've read 11, 1200 books in business. And so I feel there's a need to share that content and I enjoy doing it. And now it's turned into something bigger than we initially thought it was going to be.
0: Well, you definitely have a huge following on social media and you alluded a little bit to your social media fan following. So impressive. Tell me a little bit why you think you've exploded in terms of building an audience so fast.
1: You know, that is such a great question because if you watch my first video, you wouldn't even want to associate yourself with me if you (laughs) watch the
0: first video. Same with me. I hear you.
1: Yeah. You know, you watch some of these first things we do and we talk about. And initially when I got started, I was was a lost soul with what I wanted to really talk about. So I was all over the place and eventually I made a decision to narrow down what I was speaking to uh, subject-wise to one specific subject. So it eventually came down to, Pat, what do you love to talk about? Like, what can somebody, and the best way to gauge this is, Amy, if I talk to you for one hour, odds are there is a word or a topic or a subject that you are going to bring up after an hour. And if you talk to 20 different people, it's probably going to come up. For some people, it could be raising their kids and all they're talking about the fact that their kids are going through X, Y, Z. So they love parenting. For some, it could be sports. For some, it could be books. For some, it could be, for me, it's entrepreneurship. So then I said, let's just pick that one word. And all we're going to talk about is entrepreneurship. So then we got very focused in that word and started talking about that. And next thing you know, we got better on the delivery of time and we started realizing what is your specific strategy you're going to put together. And then we chose one strategy, we stuck to it. And then, you know, the results started showing.
0: I absolutely love that. I always say that I'm actually an entrepreneur that doesn't have tons of ideas. Most entrepreneurs have tons of ideas coming to them, next shiny object, they're ready to go for it. But I tend to focus on just a few things really well. And it kind of comes back to you focusing on entrepreneurship, knowing it's something you're passionate about. You love to talk about it. You know, there's an audience for it and you've done a great job just staying in that lane. And I love it. You also make incredible videos. So we're going to get to the topic at hand today. I typically don't take this long to get to it, but you're such an interesting guy. These videos you've been creating, you know, where did that even start? And they, (laughs) and you said they haven't always been so polished. I mean, they're good. So talk to me about that.
1: Sure. So first one we did was unlearned. That's the one that no one talks about because it's, it's not the best one. Okay. So we may, if you go online and you type in unlearned, you'll see the first video. I did it's, like a, it's, like, it's pretty much my story. It's a 24-minute video of my story, where I went, how I came about being where I'm at right now. And the whole message was, in order for us to get to where we want to get to, we've been conditioned with a certain mindset that's not going to help us get to where we want to get to, we need to unlearn it. So that was the first message. It didn't go viral it got some views. I don't know how many views it's got right now, maybe 40,000 views it got on YouTube. So then the next thing I said is I saw a lot of motivational videos and every one of them was about, you can do it, go for it, this, this, that. And it was a lot about the locker room motivational videos. And no one was really touching the emotional side of an entrepreneur. You know, Everybody was talking about more the motivational side of entrepreneur, not the emotional side where half the time you may be going through a depression or an anxiety attack or a panic attack and no one knows about it because we have to be so positive on the outside and we have to be so optimistic and we can't show her to our parents or even our spouse sometimes, our girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, sister, because we're proving to them that we can. So it can be a very lonely community. It can be a very lonely place in your mind that you can actually end up driving yourself insane if you think you're the only person that's going through this yeah so we decided to make a video called life of an entrepreneur in 90 pages and we posted it on youtube first and i think in the first 24 hours it only got 2500 views and then we decided to put that same video on facebook we learned something there because the first title we put on youtube was the best motivational video for entrepreneurs it didn't do well but we went on facebook On Halloween, October 31st at 3.13 p.m., I uploaded the video directly to Facebook with the title, The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds. And it ended up getting 5 million views within 24 hours, zero boost, zero advertising. And I think right now it's like 28.6 million views. And that was the second one. And the last one we did was called Good Voice, Bad Voice. Okay,
0: that's the one I just watched. It's so (laughs) hilarious, but so true. Guys, I'm going to link to these videos in the show notes so you'll be able to check them out. But talk a little bit about the good voice, bad voice, because this is real stuff. I mean, this is happening to all of us.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's I'm in the car, I'm driving by myself, and on one side, I'm cursing myself out. On the other side, I'm telling myself you can do this. So, you know, (laughs) and again, these are conversations that no one ever hears, and if anyone heard these conversations, they would tell us to go to a, you know, (laughs) mental hospital if people actually heard what we were telling ourselves half the time. So I always feel we have those two voices. I asked the guys, I said, guys, can we really pull this off? So fortunately, the media team that I have here full-time with us, one of them worked on Wolverine and some of them worked on major, major movie projects in LA. And so I gave them the challenge, can we do this? And we had to have the whole team there. And so wrote out the script and after writing the script, we have to get off the script a little bit and added some fun factor to it. So there's value and entertainment at the same time where it's negative Pat talking to positive Pat, trying to feed and see which one's going to actually win and adding the Playboy magazine to it with the cigar and the beer <laughs> and just so many Tony Robbins is recording. I'm just, yes, with all these aspects to it that made it into what it is. So that one ended up getting a million views because it's a longer movie. It's like six and a half minutes. It got a million views on Facebook, but you know, we were happy about that one as well.
0: It's really good. Recently, one of my assistants was telling me, she heard this quote that she said, the quote was, I never thought I was a bully until I listened to how I talk to myself. And I thought, oh, that's so good for a lot of entrepreneurs. We really do beat ourselves up about this whole journey that we're on. And I think that video really hits home. So guys, I'll definitely link to it it's very entertaining, but it's also very, very true. And the quality of video, I mean, it's beyond anything I'd ever create. So I'm glad you said that you had some big shots working on that because it was pretty impressive.
1: I appreciate that. I definitely, I'll make sure they know that when they listen to the podcast so they get the credit as well.
0: Definitely. very cool. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I want to talk about Shopify. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/madeeasy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com/madeeasy now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, that's shopify.com/madeeasy. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so we're going to get to it. I promised we would talk about this. And specifically, we're going to dive into four steps to turning distracted bystanders into raving buyers. And this is something you've been able to do really well as you've grown your social media following. So before we get into the four steps, talk to me a little bit about why you think this mini training is so valuable, especially right now with how people are behaving on social media.
1: Yeah. So Time Magazine just came out and they did a very, very interesting study how in 2001, our average attention span was 12 seconds. Okay. 12 seconds. So we we are willing to give you 12 seconds to sell us before we move on, right? That is so so sad. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely sad because the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And so you figure it was 12 seconds. And this year is the first time ever in the history where humans, our attention span is now eight seconds shorter than a goldfish. So if you've ever seen the movie, What is that movie where Dory is the one that's got the short, Finding Dory? Yes. We are worse than Dory today. I mean, that's (laughs) that's pretty bad, right? So when you have eight seconds you're dealing with, you got to make your point very, very quickly. If you don't, you're losing your customer and there's a formula for it, but there's got to be an initial times of the lengthy intro, all that stuff. I feel it's a different time today, and it all depends on your audience because If your audience is the 14, 15, 16, 18, 20, 22, 25-year-old, if you're going after that, it's even shorter than that. If your audience is a millennial, maybe a little bit longer. If your audience is a boomer, longer, they're more patient. But it it also depends a lot on your audience. But it's important to get to the point pretty quickly nowadays.
0: So you're saying that the average attention span is 12 seconds, but we only have eight seconds? Where Mm -hmm. do we lose some time there?
1: It's social media. I mean, we have so many options now. We have so many choices now, you know, so when you hear like imagine amy yourself as a woman yourself you had you're in high school so you have a boyfriend the next thing you know 20 guys are asking you to prom your attention span is like listen man you better do your you know (laughs) or else so i have options so today i have facebook we have twitter we have youtube we have tv we have netflix we have apple tv We have Amazon, we have eBay. We have so many distractions that if we don't get to the point, we're going to lose the audience. Now, some of the people that are forgiven are the people that we've already converted, but not if you want new conversions. Okay. If your people have already converted, then that's a different story because they've already know who you are. They believe in you. They love you. There's a certain fan loyalty that we have. But if you want new conversions, you want to baptize new followers, then you got to be a lot more quick about it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So walk us through the steps. Let's start at the very top. Step number one.
1: Step number one would be very simple. It's something that we do all the time and not knowingly, but this is, you need to be a little bit more intentional about it. And that is creating curiosity. I mean, there's nothing about it that's difficult, but curiosity is, I would say a great salesman. I would say a great speaker. I would say a great communicator. I would say a great persuader is somebody that is very, very good at creating curiosity. I'll give you a couple examples on this. Good. One, I don't know if you remember the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I do. So my wife and I were in San Francisco, okay? One of our favorite cities to go visit. We're in San Francisco, and we're by the fishermen. We're, you know, the, the main spot. We're right. about to go to Alcatraz. Fisherman's Wharf, yeah. Fisherman's Wharf. And I see all these billboards, and a billboard says, I hate Sarah Marshall. And it's black and white. The billboard said, I hate Sarah Marshall everywhere. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know, somebody's probably running for mayor or something <laughs> here, and they hate this person. So what's the first thing I do? The first thing I do is search. I grab my phone, I take it and I search. Who is Sarah Marshall? Look how brilliant of a marketing this is. <laughs> so I type in who is Sarah Marshall, and it comes out the movie. And I said, Wait a minute, this cannot be a movie. So then we had to go watch the movie. So we watched the movie and it's a hilarious movie when you watch it. But it tells you that's a perfect, they did a phenomenal job of marketing by using curiosity. Another example I'll give you is the basic no-no when it comes down to setting somebody up for a blind date. What is the worst thing, Amy, you and I can do when we set up a friend on a blind date?
0: Oh, I don't know. It's been so long for me. What's the
1: worst part? Oh, you don't want to tell him anything
0: because we messed the
1: whole thing up. So think about it. Let's just say somebody asks a question and says, I say, Amy, you got to meet this. He's somebody you got to meet. And you ask me, Pat, how tall is he? So I say, he's 5'8". Oh, he's too short. Or I say, he's 6'4". Oh, he's too tall. I messed it up already for you. Okay. And and that could have been somebody instead of saying, look, why don't you just speak with them and see what happens? And if you don't like it, hang up the call and move on but just have a conversation with the guy and tell me if you like him. Okay, no problem. I'm going to create curiosity instead of giving all the answers and everything to you. Maybe a little bit of a sneak peek may not be a bad idea, but not to the point where I'm losing the sale. I think a lot of times a salesperson who loses the sale, they give way too much upfront and then there is nothing else from there for me to expect. I already got everything I wanted versus saving a little bit more instead of Given everything to you up front. So number one would be creating curiosity.
0: Okay, I'm with you there. Number two.
1: Number two is very simple, deliver on your promise. If you're gonna give me curiosity and you're gonna tease me and you're gonna seduce me, I'm totally okay with that. Just make sure you deliver on your promises. So if you deliver on your promises, I'm gonna keep coming back to you. You know, this
0: one is a big one for me because a lot of times I do webinars a lot and I've been on Mm -hmm. webinars where people are promising all these great things I'm going to learn. And it feels like a big sales pitch. And you've lost me at that point. Like, I don't want to look at any more of your stuff. You do not have my attention, nor will you get it back. Like that's how ruthless I think so many of us have become, because like you said, we've got a lot of dates to the prom now. We've got a lot of options out there. So even though it's simple, deliver on your promise. I don't know if everyone's really taking that no, to heart. They're not.
1: No, yeah. they're not. Absolutely. And and by the way, that's why you're Amy Porterfield. Aww. So and, and that's why you are Amy Porterfield. That's why you have a loyal following. I mean, you know, you and I were talking before we started where Rebecca, our friend, who thinks the world of you. So why is that? Because you're delivering on your promises. I call it the be back customers. Your best customers are the be back customers. I think a lot of times. We always need to be on the offensive, getting new customers. We always need to be in that world because it's just an evolution. There's an evolving phase of sales. But there's nothing more powerful than be-back customers. Nothing more. Be-back customers typically bring the most referrals to you if you take care of them. So if, if somebody doesn't do well on their delivery of whatever they want to tell them, that you they don't deliver on their promises, they're going to lose a lot of customers, a lot of customers.
0: Right. Definitely.
1: Number three is, again, very simple. I'm a big fan of a step-by-step process. So provide a step-by-step instruction so people can take action on what you present. For instance, I can go up there and motivate you for three hours. Got it. Awesome. Then what? I remember one time one of my mentors who ended up being one of the biggest pastors in SoCal. He ran a church of 15,000 members. And John Wooden was passing away. So I went and visited him at Ronald Reagan Hospital the night when John Wooden passed away. And we were downstairs. And there was a bunch of UCLA players showing up. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill, all these people that looked at Walton as a father figure. And, you know, he died at 99 years old. And we're sitting there and we're talking. And he says, you know, I want to tell you a story here about John. He was John Wooden's last pastor. So I want to tell you a story here. One of the things that I learned a long time ago. So what is it? He said... I remember I was a kid, and I was about to be a pastor. His father's a pastor. His grandfather's a pastor. All his brothers are pa- all his uncles are pastors. So this is a guy that's from Oklahoma, you know, a good old good boy that's done everything right, you know. And so yeah. he goes to this place in Kansas, and he's the church. It's a church, and he's the first one they brought him now to put him as a senior pastor, and he's given a talk. He goes up and he gives. He's been preparing for this for two months. Delivers a speech. Gets on without that, the. That, And he comes off so proud, like I delivered the most exciting speech. And he says, he goes to the pastor before him that he was taking over spot, which is the guy that recruited him. And he says, so what do you think? Were you proud of my message? He said, that was the worst message of all time. "How How could you say that? He says, that was terrible. He says, what do you think is the purpose of you talking for 50 minutes? What is the purpose? One, you didn't give me any action You didn't give me any step-by-step. You didn't tell me to go read a certain thing. You didn't tell me to do anything. You didn't baptize anybody. What do you think you did? It's as if you talked for 50 minutes with no activity. That's a terrible speech. You're not going to build a big church like that. What do you think you're doing? So he said, because that person was so tough on me, I realized a sermon means nothing without any action items at the end. Okay.
0: Amen to that. I love this message because you're right. It's so simple, but it's so overlooked. A lot of these things you're sharing with us Mm -hmm. are very much overlooked. So let's put it in the context of social media, especially grabbing people's attention within eight seconds. When you get on, let's say Facebook live, have you been using Facebook live yet?
1: I do. Yes, okay. absolutely.
0: You get on Facebook Live, and I've been guilty of this, so this is a good lesson for me as well. We can get on there. We can teach something. I love the step-by-step, but if we don't end it with telling them what to do next, what's their next step? What's the call to action? Whether it might mean check out a book, a video, go do this, go mm-hmm. do that. I feel mm-hmm. like we are really doing a disservice to those that sat there and watched us teach whatever it is we're teaching. hmm
1: yeah. And, and not only that, the, the people that follow, the real ones that you really want them to follow you, they don't end up following you. Yeah. So the format I'll use on a Facebook Live will be, I typically like to choose a word, so I'll choose a word. The word could be overthinking. I'm just yeah. throwing something out there. Number two could be a book I'm going to recommend at the end on overthinking. And then number three, I'm going to tell them to follow me on Snapchat because Snapchat is where I want them to follow me next and message me and tell me what they got that they bought the book. So message me and
0: Put a Ooh, picture like that. that.
1: Right. So there's always a one, two, three. One, two, three.
0: Oh, that's one, two, a good three. formula. That's a great formula. A lot of people, you know, speaking of Facebook Live right now, or even Insta Stories, they're not exactly sure what to do, and they feel a little bit scattered. But I like your formula of one, two, three to really help them focus so that their message is really solid when they get it out there. Mm-hmm. That's great. Absolutely. Okay, I love that. So <laughs> step number three is provide step by step instruction, but even more so than that definitely call to action. What should they do next? What are their marching orders? And they really appreciate that if they trust and have an affinity with you, like they're looking to you as the expert, you need to be what they're looking for in terms of sending them on their way with something really good. Okay. So number four.
1: Number four. And number four, when I talk about this, sometimes initially people say, wow, I can't believe he said that, but what does he mean by that? So stay with me before you think something of this. So We tend to love our name more than anybody else loves our name. We (laughs) love our name, right? I mean, I love Patrick, but David, people that work with me, they love their name. We are just very proud of our name, very proud of our heritage, very proud of our last name, all those things. When it comes down to marketing, and I'll get here to point number four, give you the specific thing. There's typically three things with marketing, right? I mean, people ask me and they say, What should I do, Patrick? Should I do blog? Should I do, what should I do? I said, well, do you like to write, speak, or is your face something that should be on video? Which one do you want to do? So choose the one that you are the most. No, I don't like video too much, and I don't like my voice, but I love to write. Well, then do that, right? But what do you like to do the most? Okay. So when it comes down to Hollywood or marketing or any of that, either it's your face, either it's your voice, your message or it's your last name, for instance, if my last name is Penn, well, I'm related to Sean Penn, that may help me out. If my last name is Coppola, if my last name is Spielberg, I can use my last name to get into a lot of places, like the Kennedys use their last name. Vanderbilts use their last name. That benefits you. Or if you look like Brad Pitt, or if you look like, I don't know, Rachel Ryan
0: Gosling.
1: Ryan Gosling, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everyone goes crazy over Ryan Gosling, right? That's a good-looking guy, right there. I think Matthew McConaughey is an extremely—he's <laughs> a good-looking guy. dude. <laughs> we got to put him on that list too, right? <laughs> so, if you look like Matthew McConaughey, you got to use your looks. You just got to put it to use. But if you're somebody that's trying to get your social media going, develop your voice. Truly develop your voice. And what do I mean by voice? It can be voice message. So voice slash message, I'm not talking about, let me go take a voice class in go do it. So I'm not talking about like voice for singing. I'm talking about what's your voice online? What is your voice linked to online? Let me give you an example. If you and I were to say, who should I study online if I want to study the subject of leadership? Somebody may say John Maxwell. Who should I study online if I want to, you know, study NLP or motivational? You probably want to study Tony Robbins. How about social media? Who when Somebody may say Gary or somebody may say, how about if I want to study somebody that's in sales? You may say Grant Cardone or Tom Hopkins. The point is any word we say, it typically links to somebody. Well, go choose something and be the voice and a message for that specific word and spend more time on that. And then eventually what people will do is they're going to say, man, what's this guy's name? I like this guy. What's this girl's name? I like this girl, but the last thing they're paying attention to is your name. They're not looking at your name. They want to know if you got value to bring me. Are you going to provide some value? Are you going to make me think? Are you going to make me laugh? Are you going to entertain me? Am I going to like you? Are we going to get connected? Am I going to connect to you? Are you authentic? Do I feel like you're being yourself? Are you trying to be somebody else? Then I'm going to say, what's his name? Let me search him. Let me subscribe. Let me follow him. Let me buy his products. I like him. So develop your own voice and your own message and stick to it as much as possible.
0: So good. That is such a perfect ending to our four steps. So I have one more question for you, but to wrap up. So we're talking about how to grab your audience's attention, especially when that attention span is so very short. So we talked about creating curiosity delivering on your promise, easier said than done sometimes, providing step-by-step and a call to action, and also developing your voice. And I love finding that one word and working toward you becoming the embodiment of that. People hear that word and they think of you. I mean, that's incredibly powerful. So I love that strategy 100%. One thing that's so valuable about you is that I feel like you've tapped into the psyche of being an entrepreneur, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that good stuff. And if we were to wrap up, you knowing that my audience, there's a lot of people that are just starting out. They're doing the side hustle. They've got full-time jobs, or they maybe have finally quit that full-time job, and now they're out on their own. And we know what comes with that. A lot of doubt, a lot of issues with confidence. It's really scary. At the same time, very, very exciting. So knowing all that about my audience, what are your final words of wisdom? I typically don't ask people this, but I feel like you'd have some good nuggets for us.
1: So this is as a rookie entrepreneur that's gone or is potentially thinking about dropping their job and going full-time as an entrepreneur. Okay. First of all, you got to keep a couple of things in mind. Sometimes I think the biggest mistake people make that they go from having a job to being an entrepreneur is they become terrible bosses to themselves. And they're they're not really that disciplined and working hard because you do need to double your efforts as you're an entrepreneur, it's going to be so exhilarating. It's so exciting. I mean, I can't see myself doing anything else. The best explanation I'll give to that is, is the difference between babysitting somebody else's baby versus raising your own child. There's a big difference yes. to the two. You can babysit someone's child and then you can raise your own child. There's there's a different connection to that child that they're going to have towards you than somebody else you babysit And As far as an entrepreneur goes, look, I'm not not somebody that if you go and you survey the 200 kids that went to high school with me and you ask them, honestly, what did you think Pat was going to be growing up? The thing they would have told you, you would have said there's no way in the world we're talking about the St. Patrick. And we're talking about the St. Patrick. None of them thought Pat was going to be where he's at today. My saving grace was never in my life had I ever finished a book, Amy. I've never finished a book in my life. Until I started reading at 21 years old. So I read like a maniac. And back then, we didn't have podcasts. So I listened to audio tapes all the time. I never listened to the radio. I always had audio tapes. Nowadays, cars are coming out with podcasts. You can just plug in your favorite podcast, Amy Porterfield, and constantly listen to it. (laughs) and You know, constantly feed that yourself in your mind. And so I used to read biographies. And I used to love reading biographies like Teddy Roosevelt or Oprah's or some of these biographies you read. And you think, oh, my gosh. I think I have it rough, man. I haven't gone through one-tenth of what this person right? has gone yeah, through, yeah, I love that. I can overcome it. So, And then in, in creating a very small community, very, very small community of people that you connect with, very, very important that you talk to other people in a small community. And the last one I'll add to that, and I'll turn it over to you, is be very careful who you take advice from. I'll tell you what I mean by be very careful who you take advice from. Before my wife and I got married, I asked, before I even proposed— So we go on our first date, okay? We go to P.F. Chang's, December 29, 2007. And second date in the morning, we go to church. Then we go to Santa Monica to do the stairs. Santa Monica stairs is just a phenomenal place to do the stairs. And then we go to Earth Cafe, my favorite type of food. And then we go to Borders, and I buy her a book on our second date. It was called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged that. Yeah,
0: it's pretty crazy. Oh,
1: wow. I, I totally get it. It's crazy. <laughs> a little
0: sincere. ballsy. <laughs> it is
1: really ballsy. That's just how I am. So second date, I give her this book, right? And she says, oh my gosh, who is this crazy guy? <laughs> and I've had a lot of fun in my life. I've partied like a rock star from very, very early on. And I retired early. But when I did, I was pretty strong in a, in a partying world, very, very strong in a partying world. And so When we're going through this whole process, before getting married, I was ready to stay single the rest of my life. I I was completely fine staying single. I know how to entertain myself. I'm fine staying single. But, you know, if the right person came along, the right temperament, right match, maybe I'll consider it. So her and I were talking, and it got to a point where it was kind of like, okay, Pat, what are we doing next? So I asked her, I said, let me ask you a question. Let's just say we go through a bunch of fights together, a bunch of problems together. Who are you going to call? She says, What do you mean? I said, Look, we're going to fight a lot. I mean, it's just inevitable. We're going to fight a lot. I know myself. There's going to be a lot of fights. Who are you going to call it? Just say so you're ticked off with me. You're pissed off with me. Who are you calling? And so I look at her. So she's really giving me a real answer. It's not a BS answer. She starts giving me the names of people she's going to call. I said, Can you tell me about their personal life and their relationships and all that stuff? She starts telling me, I said, I have a very big problem with that. I have a very big problem with that. She says, Why? I said, Because if you and I get into a fight, these are the five people I'm calling. And every one of them is probably going to tell me it's my fault and they're going to tell me to come home and make it work. If I call the other five people, they're going to tell me, dude, the single life is the best. All the girls are asking about you. you got to be single again. <laughs> yeah. so, so that was the thing where who are you going to call? So as an entrepreneur, when you're going through your mess and you got somebody you want to call, be careful who you call during those moments because you can call the wrong person and go back to having a job overnight. Or you can call the right person and come back fired up and lit up the next day to go win for yourself and your family. But it's all about who you call. So minimize that association. Limit the amount of people that have counsel over your mind. Take the right association. Process no matter whatever anybody tells you. Process that information. Use your intuition. Make the decision next day. And eventually, I promise you, as good as you think it's going to feel when you win, it's a 100 times, 100 times more exciting than what you think is going to be. It's a hundred times more exciting when you win.
0: Oh, so good. That is a perfect wrap up to this awesome episode. Thank you, Pat, so very much for sharing all of your wisdom about being an entrepreneur and getting in front of your audience as quickly as humanly possible. I really appreciate you being on the show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: So there you have it. I hope that you were entertained and inspired by Patrick just as much as I was. I think he is such a cool guy to just listen to all his stories and get that shot of inspiration I talked about in the intro, because I think that we all can use that when we're in our heads and things feel frustrating and a struggle. But then when you hear someone else's story, you start to think, oh, wait, wait a second. This is possible. I can get this done. This is doable. And it kind of gets you excited to keep moving forward. So I hope you got all of that in my interview and you found some really great inspiration to keep you moving forward. So thank you so very much for being here with me today. I cannot wait to connect with you again next week. Bye for now.